Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. Super excited about the next couple of episodes. I think I'm going to be splitting Israel and Palestine into two different episodes here. I think the first one, I'm mainly going to stick to Jerusalem and Bethlehem, just because I think if you're visiting Bethlehem, more than likely you're staying in Jerusalem and taking a day trip, or that's like the first place that you head out to. And then the next episode, I'm going to be talking about um, outside of the Jerusalem area. So Tel Aviv, the Dead Sea, up north near Galilee, things like that. Um, so let's first off, before we you know start talking about what we did, where we, where we went, and things like that, I think it's important to kind of talk about the entry process into Israel. And there are a couple of land border crossings that I think you could, you could um, cross at pretty easily mainly down south um, with Jordan at Aqaba, and then also the King Hussein crossing um, with Jordan near Amman. I think both of those are pretty stable. I don't think you'd have too many issues. I'd probably recommend you know, making sure that you have a ride waiting for you on the other side, kind of just working that out in advance. I don't really think that'd be too big of an issue to get a driver to take you from the border to Jerusalem. Um, there are a couple other borders, you know, like down south with Giza and then up north with Lebanon. Don't really think, I don't even know if they're open, honestly, but don't really think you want to be in that area of the country to begin with. Um, the only time I've ever been asked if I've visited Israel before was when I was flying into Lebanon. So I don't think that the border with Lebanon and Israel is probably the best one. So keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> and do a lot of research if you're planning on doing a land border crossing. Like I said, I think the Jordan borders are reasonably safe, um, and yeah. But more than likely, you're just going to be flying in to the Ben Gurion Airport, which is what I did, so that's what I'm going to be talking about and discussing here. Um, the Ben Gurion Airport is a nice airport. It's located almost exactly halfway between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. I think it's like maybe 30 minutes one way, 35 the other. Um, so pretty smack dab in the middle there. Um, so when you first land, you know, I was, I'll go ahead and say I was a little nervous landing or flying into Israel simply because I know how strenuous, like the questioning can be there. I know the border agents, you know, might ask a few more questions than you're used to. So, you know, having just come from Lebanon and Iraq, having those stamps in my passport, I was a little like, I wasn't scared, but I was, one, I was prepared to, you know, be taken into a room and kind of interrogated a little bit and ask a few extra questions. But then I was really nervous of, I've heard them rejecting people who arrived there. And I was like, this would really suck if, you know, we get here and then they're like, yeah, you can't come in. So that was what I was mainly nervous about just because like my wife is there and we had been super pumped about visiting Israel, so to be turned away and denied would be pretty terrible. Um, so that was what I was more nervous about, honestly, about anything. So we, when you first arrive, you're going to go through basically like these little kiosks, and you scan your passport, and they print off this blue ticket with your passport information, your picture on it, all this kind of stuff. And that's like your entry-exit ticket to the country. Um, and then you take that with your passport, you get in a line, and you go talk to a border agent. So when we get there, we're basically the first people in line, but then there's one lady already talking to a border agent. 
and both of them were talking pretty loudly. So it was pretty easy to um, overhear what they were saying. And from the from what I gathered from this conversation, this was a Israeli citizen who had traveled to Germany and had had some procedure done because it was probably it was maybe cheaper to have it done there or something. And she was in the hospital for longer than she had planned to be, like recovering. And so I don't know if she like overstayed a visa or if she was just gone for like an odd amount of time that the Israeli like official was like, why were you gone for this amount of time? Um, but this guy was just going after her, like asking all these questions. Um, and she just kept being like, like, I don't know what to tell you. I was there for the surgery. I have all my documentation and you know, I don't know what you want me to say. So this, this girl is just getting beat up up there. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, what are they about to do to us? And so (laughs) we were literally standing in line for like six or seven minutes. And then because this guy was taking so long with this lady, they brought in another official. And so we walk up to him, give him our passports, give him our blue ticket. And he's like, basically, is this your first time in Israel? I'm like, yeah. He's like, um, where are you going? And so I was, I basically gave him a quick rundown. You know, we're staying, staying in Jerusalem for a few days and we're heading up to like the Galilee area and then heading out of Tel Aviv. And he was like, okay. And really the only weird, not even a real weird question, but a different abnormal question. Um, my wife has her maiden name in her passport and he just basically asked what y'all's relationship. So we were just like, oh, we're married. And he was like, oh, okay. And then that was it and handed us our passports and basically said, have a great day. Um, and we walked by the lady who was still getting interrogated by that other guy. So I don't know if that dude was having a bad day, our dude was having an amazing day, or what, Um, but I didn't have a bad experience, but I saw someone having a bad experience. So I guess just be prepared um, for a few extra questions and just be be ready for anything, really. I don't don't know. Um, But I will say there was no time whatsoever where... I know getting a an Israeli passport stamp is a huge no-no, and I really don't even think that's an option. Um, there was no um, time in that process where I was like feeling like I needed to tell him, hey, can you not stamp that? Uh, I think the only time where that would happen is if you needed a visa to enter the country, which in that case you're compromised anyways. So... Um, that's not something that you really need to be on the lookout for. I was, you know, prepared to like tell someone, Hey, don't stamp that. Can you not stamp that please? Um, but that never even came up. So that was one thing, um, I thought I'd pass along. Once we left the customs area, headed out. Um, and then there's several ways that you can get to Jerusalem from the airport. You can obviously, you know, take a taxi, you can take, I believe there's a bus that takes you, to Jerusalem, um, you know, you could have something arranged beforehand, do a rideshare app. Um, but just recently, they've built a new train, and it goes directly from the airport to Old Jerusalem. And there's a few different stops in Old Jerusalem that it goes to. Um, but we were staying right outside the Damascus Gate, and so it dropped us off at like the very first stop was like, you know, a five-minute walk from the Damascus Gate. So. That's what we took, and I would highly recommend doing it. It was super easy. You literally follow the signage, and you just buy your ticket at a kiosk. 
I cannot remember how much it was, maybe like six or seven dollars. It was not that expensive whatsoever, definitely worth the cost. And yeah, it was super simple. It took us about 35 to 40 minutes to get from the airport to Old Jerusalem. Um, the train leaves like every 30 minutes or something like that. And I think we literally got to the platform right as the train was leaving. And so we did have to like hang out there for a little bit, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Kind of just chilled out and, you know, waited for the time to pass. Um, also we were there super early. We landed at like eight in the morning. And so we didn't have that much to do anyways. Um, we couldn't get into our hotel or anything like that. So it wasn't that big of a deal. One thing I will say just right off the bat, first impression, which seeing armed guards everywhere, seeing random people with AKs or M4s just wandering around the streets has never, like I'm used to that. I've seen that a lot. And so as long, obviously if it was like some random person, that'd be concerning. But as long as I know it's like, okay, that's a military or that's a police officer, like it's not that big of a deal to me. Um, but if you're not used to that, there are a ton of military everywhere around Jerusalem, especially when we were leaving the airport. And I don't know if they all worked at the airport and they were going to Jerusalem or what was happening, but I would say half of our train car going from the airport to Jerusalem was military. So if you're not used to that, that's just something to like mentally prepare yourself for, that there's gonna be a lot of people with a lot of guns and it's really not that big of a deal. Um, one thing which was interesting was most of the people like on that train were off duty. And so like, because we were waiting for the train for so long, there was like this one girl sitting, you know, a few rows of seats down from us. And she was like, you know, decked out in military gear. Um, and she must've just gotten like off of work or something because literally by the time the train got there, she was like taking off her gear. And like, by the time we got on the train, she was literally just in like a t-shirt and jeans. And so, like, if you hadn't been there the whole time, you'd just be like, why is this random girl carrying an M4 around? Um, but they're just all military, and there's a ton of military. I'm not really sure the serving age, but basically, you know, if you're a certain age in Israel, you have to be in the military. So there's a ton of military around. They're all, like, you know, early 20s. And so they're pretty easily recognizable. Um, but just something to be aware of so you're not just, like, throw them for a loop whenever you get there and see that. Okay, so we stayed right outside the Damascus Gate. And the only place that I think I would recommend staying near Old Town Jerusalem other than the Damascus Gate is possibly the Lion's Gate. And you know, I love location. And so Damascus Gate is near so much history and it's just a great location to access all the different sites that that's where I wanted to stay. I picked out the location. My wife approved of the Airbnb that I had chosen, <laughs> and so that's where we stayed. I will say Airbnb was a pretty great option um, in Jerusalem. We got a pretty good deal, um, and so I would definitely recommend checking that out. Um, it was a good um, deal compared to hotels in the area. Uh, but like I said, the Lion's Gate, which is like the east side of Jerusalem, is near uh, the Mount of Olives and things like that. So that's also a great location to stay, but I really like the Damascus Gate. It's right next to a bus station, which was very useful. And so yeah, I would definitely check out those two locations if you're into the history and you like good location. 
You could also stay in New Jerusalem um, as well, which really isn't that far away from Old Town. Um, but you know, I I like to be be in the heart of it, you know. So so yeah. Okay. So what did we do? Well, like I said, we arrived pretty early. I think we were you know in Jerusalem by like 9:30, 10 o'clock or something like that. And I had talked to my Airbnb host, and they approved us to go ahead and drop our bags off. And so we went ahead, found our Airbnb, which was conveniently like a five-minute walk from the train drop-off. And so, yeah, we um, got off the train, walked to our Airbnb, dropped off our bags. The trains, which there's the train, and then there's like the rail, like the overhead metro or whatever. That was also very easy to navigate as well. Google Maps did a pretty great job, you know, telling you, you know, you need to get on this metro. It wasn't very clear with like which direction you needed to be on, but it wasn't too hard to figure it out yourself. Um, you did need a card. I cannot remember what their metro cards are called, but the very first time you get on the metro, buy a card for it um, and then top it off. There were a bunch of different options, but I think we just bought, you know, each ride. We only rode it, you know, three three or four times we probably could have saved a little bit of money if we had bought like a day pass or whatever but I hadn't researched it that much and I knew we weren't going to use it a ton so I was okay just paying you know a couple dollars a time to ride the metro riding the buses was also very simple Google Maps did an incredible job telling us which buses to get on and things like that um, and for the buses we actually learned you could top up your card through an app. So we downloaded the app, we got on a bus, and we didn't have enough money for the bus or something, or the bus didn't take cash. Some buses took cash, some of them didn't. It was confusing, and so we got on one, it didn't take cash, and we were like, well crap, what are we gonna do? So we were literally, the guy, the bus driver was like, don't worry about it, but of course, I'm like, I don't wanna get like, like I'm gonna pay for my bus ride. Um, so. Like we downloaded the app, we were like trying to figure it all out. You had to like send an access code to your email, like the whole triple quadruple verification crap that you have to do. And then like literally 30 seconds before our stop, we were able to top up our card and pay for our ride. Um, I think like all the bus rides are the same amount. It doesn't matter where you get on or get off. So it didn't really matter. But um, yeah, after that, then we learned, okay, well, we can just top it up on our phone, and that made it super easy. Um, so, once again, I do not remember what the Metro card is called there, but I would highly recommend if you plan on using the bus system or the rail system um, to download that app, and it makes it super easy to just top up your card, pay for a ride, um, and so you don't have to worry about it. Okay, so, all that being said, their public metro and public transit systems work pretty well, and Google Maps does a great job helping you out with that, so don't be afraid to use it. Um, so we arrived at our Airbnb, dropped off our baggage and everything, and then we headed into the old city. Now, one more thing before you even start planning your trip to Israel, do not forget about Shabbat. And Shabbat is a time, it's basically like, it's not like their Sunday, but it kind of is like their Sunday, but basically everything is shut down on Shabbat. Public transportation is shut down, like restaurants are shut down, shops are shut down, like you're not doing anything on Shabbat. Um, so it starts Friday at sun sundown, so Friday sunset, and it goes until Saturday sunset. So because of this, I planned for us to arrive 
Sunday morning and we literally left Friday morning. <laughs> so if you're planning on spending like a week or less in Israel, make sure that you are not there on Saturday or you're just wasting a day basically in Israel. Obviously, if you stay longer than a week, you are going to have to deal with it. And so, you know, you can't really do anything about it. But just keep that in mind. Nothing is going to be available on that day. So fortunately, it was easy to plan to arrive on a Sunday. And so um, everything was basically open. Well, everything except for the garden tomb, which I'll talk about here in a second. So the Damascus Gate is right next to the garden tomb. The garden tomb is one of the um, proposed locations of Jesus's death and um, burial and resurrection there. And so, although, okay, I'm, I have a lot of sidebars here, but there's a lot to talk about. So, here's the deal about visiting Jerusalem, okay? There are a ton, I mean a literal ton, of historical sites to visit. And all of them, you know, relate to the biblical stories um, that you've heard forever and read about and learned about and always you know envision and it's awesome and I love history you know and I love putting um, I love putting physical things to what I've read and what I've you know learned about and so being able to put a location to a Bible story that I've you know been taught and learned and you know reflected on for my whole life, is amazing but here's the deal all these places like are they the actual places maybe right but then you, you talk about like the garden tomb and there's two pretty well you know decorated locations where the people say that this happened so here's the deal when you're visiting um israel for me personally it was more of a this could be the site, which would be really awesome, but in reality, this is simply a general location, a general idea of what this place looked like, and it just, whether it's the place or not, it gives you a sense of this is what it possibly looked like, this is like around the area of where it happened, and whether this is the exact location or not, I know I'm in the area, and that's enough for me. So yeah, we could go into this whole, this is the exact place, this is not the exact place, whatever. But for me, it's just cool enough to say, you know, this is around where it happened. This is what the scenery looked like. This is what, you know, this is just what was happening around this time period. This is cool. Um, and so, yeah, so when I'm talking about places, um, just keep that in mind that, yeah, it says that this is that location, but is it that location? I don't really know. But anyways, Garden Tomb was closed on Sunday, which was really weird because um, I had done all this research and then when I land, like we landed there and I like forgot what day it was. <laughs> that was the main issue. Like I knew that the Garden Tomb was closed that day but I forgot what day it was. And so I was just like, oh yeah, let's go there first. And then we walk over there and it's closed. Luckily it was on the way to the Damascus Gate. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, we didn't really go out of our way to go there. But 
just make sure that you know when things are open or closed. Because of that, we had to like rush around on the last day in order to go back there, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And I'll talk about it again here in a little bit because I kind of want to go in the order to kind of just show what all you can do at one time. So after we got denied at the Garden Tomb, we walked over to the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, um, and we I kind of wanted to skip the Wailing Wall because I wanted to go to the Dome of the Rock first. Now, the Dome of the Rock is open at very specific times. It's open, and I, I do not have the exact time, so make sure that you look these up. But it's open from like 8 in the morning until like 10.30, and then it's open from like 11.30 to like 1 o'clock or something like that. It's really like two random times that are pretty short. And so there's a lot of security around the Western Wall and around the Dome of the Rock area. Um, for obvious reasons, a pretty high tension place. So when you walk into the Wailing Wall area, you have to go through security. So we went through security, got to the Wailing Wall area, but then I wanted to go to the Dome of the Rock. And so to go up there, if you're looking at the Wailing Wall to the right, there's like this uh, wooden covered staircase looking thing that goes up to the top. Um, and so that's how I don't, I don't think Muslims have to go that way. I think just all non-Muslims have to go up that route. Um, I'm not really sure where the other entrances are to the Dome of the Rock, but that's um, the way that non-Muslims have to go up there. So um, you have to go out of the secure area, and then you have to go back through the secure area. <laughs> it was kind of weird, but it's like you leave the secure area and then you like go through like this tunnel and then you start working your way up that um, wooden enclosed staircase and then there's more security and then you just keep on walking up to the top. And it, it's really interesting. There's some great views of the Wailing Wall from like the side, um, which is cool. And then you're kind of up above it at the same time. So it was, it was really interesting. Um, but I really wanted to do that first because it was like 10 o'clock or something when we got there and I was like, okay, we can like go ahead and knock this out right now. So let's do it. And so that's why we went ahead and did that first. Um, I've heard that there's usually like really long lines and if you're not there like super early, maybe you don't even get to go up to the top cause there's too many people. Um, but there was a line like to get through the security, but it, you know, we were, in line for maybe like three or four minutes like it was not too big of a deal so maybe different times of year maybe like when it first opens in the morning it's more crowded um, but I was worried like oh we're gonna have to get there at like seven in the morning to like be first in line but it was not like that whatsoever so we go up to the top and obviously this is a very holy place for a lot of different people and so you know just make sure that you're respectful you're wearing the correct clothes I was wearing pants and a t-shirt um, my wife had on a dress and I don't, I think the dress had like longer sleeves or either she had a shawl on one or the other, but either way they like told her, no, you still have to work, like wear this like extra covered dress thing that they pulled out of this little bin. Um, so I really don't know what the qualifications are both like we went up there and then another couple walked up after us and i don't think that other lady had like was as covered as well as my wife was but they both had to wear these coverings so i really don't know you know what a woman would have to wear to not have to wear one of those things 
but just be prepared that one if you aren't covered up appropriately they do have something for you to wear um but then two you know you might wear some nice little outfit and then they're like nope sorry so i don't really know what their qualifications were i thought you know my wife's was fine like i've I would think she would have been fine like going to a church or anything else that they would you know really care about but um, maybe they're just extra strict up there so um, just keep that in mind so we go up there and there's the Dome of the Rock and then there's another moth there's two mosques up there I cannot remember which is which well I do know which is which I know the Dome of the Rock I don't remember the name of the other mosque up there um, unfortunately you can't go into either of them unless you're Muslim um, and so that wasn't something that I was going to oppress either and like try and, you know, see if I could get in or whatever. It was interesting because like a mosque, doors are always open, right? It's like the doors are propped open. You can see inside. Most of them you can like go in yourself and explore. Um, but these you could not go inside and the doors were open, but there was like almost like a fake door right inside the door. So it was like you had to walk in and then you had to go either left or right around this barricade and then you could like enter the mosque. And so even though the doors were open, like I was like standing right up next to the door and I couldn't even see in because they had like this fake door shielding everything that was inside. So it was that was kind of like, are you serious? Like <laughs> you couldn't even see in. Um, like you can't go in and you literally can't even see in even though the doors are open. So that was interesting. Um, very closed off. Um, so yeah, but Dome of the Rock itself was very beautiful. The tile, the tile work, everything like that was awesome. Um, definitely recommend checking it out. This is obviously the place, um, where the temple stood, um, back in the day as well. So a lot of history, there's steps, um, on like all four sides um, of the Tipple Mount there. And I can only imagine that those are probably pretty ancient. I don't know if they go back to, you know, first century or not. Um, but, you know, there's a ton of history, a ton of biblical history there. So just kind of be thinking like, oh, these are the steps that used to lead up to the Temple, uh, the temple area, uh, which is really cool as well. Now to exit, there's like a few specific exit places. And so you kind of just have to wander around until you find the exit. You can't leave the same way that you came in. So you just have to wander around and then you'll find an exit and you give them your little shawl thing. Um, and then we left. And so once we left the Dome of the Rock, then we kind of circled back around, went through security again and went down to the Western Wall. And the Western Wall split into the women's side and the men's side. So my wife went to the women's side and then I went um, down to the men's side and it's just a really interesting experience um, to go down there um, to touch the Western Wall and you know just to see all of the Jewish people there reading and praying and doing all of their their stuff and I'm not really sure what I don't think it's a cave but like right next to the Wailing Wall on the left side there's like a hole in the wall literally and you can go back in there and it's like a library um there's like torahs and all sorts of books back there and there's chairs and um like little prayer areas and people are you know praying and singing and reading um and so it's kind of like a more intense version of the outside area but it's really interesting i didn't even know that that was there but i saw it and i was like i don't know if i'm allowed in here but i'm gonna walk in there and see um and so yeah 
Now you do have to have your head covered when you go down there to that area. Um, they do have the little hats, I don't know what they're called, um, that you can like take a, a paper, paper one for free or whatever. Um, and that's totally fine, but I just wore a hat and that was cool too. I always find it interesting because like I never know when I'm supposed to wear a hat and when I'm not supposed to wear a hat. So it's like some churches, um, like you're supposed to wear a hat because like you're supposed to have your head covered, but then some churches you're not supposed to have a hat on because that's like disrespectful. So I'm always like, I don't know what to do. And so I'm trying to think where... I had my hat on someplace because I was like, this is a place where I need to have my hat on. And then like I got yelled at for wearing a hat. Oh, it was in Bethlehem. That's where it was. It was at the Church of the Nativity. And I walked in and I was like, okay, this is a Jewish thing. I need to have my hat on. But then when I walked in, then like the security guy was like, take your hat off. And I was like, okay, like, okay that's fine. Like, it doesn't matter to me. But I was like, I was so confused. And maybe that that church is run by like the french the franciscans and so maybe that's why maybe it's not an actual jewish synagogue or i don't know i guess it's a christian church maybe so maybe that's why i'm not really sure but i was so confused i was like i thought i was doing the right thing here but anyways i digress so after the wailing wall we we left there um and then we we headed out um i believe at this point, I think we might have checked back in, like finally checked into our hotel, um, kind of chilled out, took a quick break, um, and then we headed back out. And so in Jerusalem, there is the Via Dolorosa, and this is the route that Jesus supposedly walked from, um, basically from his trial to begin with, then all the way through to his uh, crucifixion and burial and resurrection. Now, a lot of the route has changed. Um, so once again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is like the general area, but is this the exact location? Probably not. There's probably like a building built there, but this is close enough. So we're going to say that this is where this thing happened. Um, so yeah, you kind of just have to take everything here, in my opinion, with a grain of salt and just know that, okay, this is the general area and this is kind of what happened at this location. So anyways, the Via Dolorosa starts near the Lion's Gate and you start at like this church and this is the place where uh, Jesus was um, originally tried. And so um, that's where you start and there's like, there's these circular like bronze plaques on the walls at all the stations. And I believe there's nine stations for um, the Way of the Cross or the Via Dolorosa. And so the, um, you you start walking and you you just, you basically, I, I pulled up a map on my phone and I kind of just follow this map along the way. And really, you know, <laughs> it was funny because there's, that's one of the main tours that people take. And so you can kind of just like, follow a tour guide the whole way or it's like oh there's a group of people over there that's probably a station and so yeah it's it's not too difficult to follow the stations um so that's that first station and then there's a ton like like i said there's so much his history just everywhere around there so even between like stations number one and two like you're gonna pass by a place um that was apparently mary's childhood home 
So there's like a big sign over the door that says Mary's Child at Home. We didn't go in there. I'm not really sure. I think it was closed one time when we went, and then the other time we were like in a rush to get someplace else. So um, that that was that. Um, and then there were like two different locations for Jesus's um, cell. So um, after he was tried or after he was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane, they put him in a cell overnight um, before his trial. So one of them is really cool, and it's, um, I don't even know if they claim that one's Jesus's cell or if it was the, um, it's called Barabbas's cell and then the two other criminals that were crucified. And so you go down in this one, and it reminded me a lot of the jail from Rome. Um, and it's literally, there's like a hole in the floor and then they have like made a staircase for you to walk down, but then like you can just look up and there's a hole in the, the floor that they like drop the people down in. And then there's like some more holes in the ground with like grates over it. And so it's like a pretty dim place, you know? Um, and whether you're like, like I said, whether or not that is the place, it is really interesting to see, you know, a first century jail cell there in Jerusalem. It's pretty interesting. So that's right off and then there's literally like right next door there's another one that says that this is Jesus' cell and there's like a hole in the ground um, and then there's another one and this one was actually really cool because there was like a, a flat stone and there's like two holes in the stone and apparently they would put your feet or legs through these holes and then they would like shackle your legs and so you'd like be stuck sitting on this table and you couldn't escape or anything um, I had never seen that before and it was it was pretty interesting. Um, I think that was the main one that they actually claimed like this is where Jesus was the night before his trial or whatever. Um, so that one was really interesting. I thought that one was pretty cool. So once you leave that, there's also there's this archway and it, it kind of looks like one of the um, like an Arc de Triumph sort of sort of deal. And it's called the Homo Echo or Homo Echo Archway. And this is apparent, apparently is like at the location of where Pontius Pilate's um, residency was. And so this is where he came out and basically um, said, do you want um, Barabbas or Jesus? And they said they wanted Barabbas and then they wanted to crucify um, Christ. So that is, there's... I think it's like one of the only archways. I don't remember seeing any other archways, but it's at that location where that's claimed to have happened. Although I've there's this really cool dude on YouTube. I do not remember his name. I think it's called like Expedition Bible or something like that. But he does a ton of archaeological research in Jerusalem. And unfortunately, I found this guy after we had already gone on the trip. So now I'm watching all this stuff. I'm like, dang it, I should have gone to this spot instead to see this cool stuff. Um, but there's like pretty good evidence that this happened somewhere else in the city um, and not at this Homo Echo Arch. Um, but you know, it's the it's the place that like the tour guides say that this happened and stuff like that. So it's still it's still a pretty cool feature and it's still pretty interesting and you're gonna see it whether you want to or not. So you might as well at least have an idea of what some people believe it is. So, anyways, continuing on, you're gonna follow the stations and there's like I said, I think there's like nine stations. There's a couple stations where it says Jesus fell. Um, the main station, it's like maybe number four, I think. And this is where they say Jesus fell and his hand 
um, he like basically lost his balance and stabilized himself on the wall. And so there's like this indention in the wall and they say that that's Jesus's handprint. I put my hand in that thing and I don't know if it really even felt like handprint. Maybe 2000 years of people, you know, putting their hand in it has really just deteriorated any sort of handprint figure. Um, but you know, that's one of the stations. And so that's one of the actual piece, like most of the stations, it's just like, yeah, this is where this thing happened. But that station is literally like, there's this one square of, you know, brick that's been here for 2000 years. And this is the exact location. So that's one of the more interesting ones, um, on the route. So then you continue and you get to the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Now, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher is one of the most famous locations probably in all of Jerusalem there. And this is how I mentioned earlier, the Garden Tomb. This is the other proposed location of um, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And after watching that guy on YouTube and after doing research on my own, I do believe that this is more... Um, likely the location than the other. In fact, this used to be the location of a temple to some Roman god back in, or yeah, some Roman god back in like the, you know, early BCs. And then um, it was venerated and turned into the Holy Sepulchre Church. So going into the Holy Sepulchre Church is pretty intense. There's a ton of people in there. Um, and Look, when you're in Israel, there are tour buses, tour guides, tourists, literally everywhere. It's insane. I've never seen so many tour groups before in my life. So you walk into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. As soon as you walk in, there's a stone slab on the floor. And the stone slab is apparently the stone that they laid Jesus' body on and like anointed him with oil and stuff like that before they prepared him for burial. So there's a ton of people just around this stone. A lot of them are pouring oil on it themselves. Um, some people are just rubbing items on it, um, just touching it. Um, it's a very there's a lot of just like interesting things to like to take in in Israel. And so this was definitely one of those places and things that was really interesting to see. Um, if you go to the left, that's going to take you to um, where Jesus's tomb. Um, was supposed to be. Now, they've built this like building over the location of where the tomb was. Um, and so apparently, you know, over a couple thousand years, the actual tomb itself has been, you know, destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed, rebuilt. And so um, that building is just, I guess, to commemorate the exact location of where the tomb was. And there's like one like priestly looking guy in there um, who has like incense and stuff like that that you can buy and light and things like that. I don't really know. They were actually doing a lot of um, construction while we were there. And so it was kind of interesting, you know, you're like, <laughs> you're in this like super holy place and then there's like power drills going off in the background and someone like hammering a two by four. Um, so I really don't know what was in that area cause it was like blocked off with plywood so you couldn't see. I'm not sure if you can like actually go in or what all the case was. Um, but that room in and of itself is super awesome. Um, it's really cool. 
if you've ever seen pictures of the Pantheon where there's, or been to the Pantheon where there's that hole in the center that's open, that's what it's like at the Holy Sepulchre. And there was like this magnificent, like beam of light just shining through into the room. It was really awesome. Now, also in this room, if you kind of just like wander around and explore a little bit, there's like a little room. And if you walk inside this room and kind of explore a little bit farther, you'll actually see that there are some tombs back in there, which is really cool. Um, they are empty, so you don't have to worry about that. But this just goes to show that this was the legit location of a graveyard or cemetery, um, that there were other tombs in this area. And so even though the one that they say was Jesus's tomb is now, you know, like basically been destroyed, um, it does give credence to the fact that, well, there are other tombs like right next, like right next to it. So, you know, it does lend to the credibility of that being there. Um, so I definitely recommend checking that out because, um, it's really cool. And I don't think probably everybody sees that. And so you kind of just have to be exploring a little bit. It's like if you're standing where the door is to go where the little priest guy is with the incense sticks, um, if you like turn around and then it's like a little bit to your right and there's like a door there and you can go back in there. Um, so definitely check that out if you're in there. Now let's kind of rewind a little bit if we're standing at that stone on the floor again. If you look to your right, there's a staircase. And so you can climb up that staircase and this will take you up to the spot where they say the cross was at. Now I really like this church. It's really cool because there's a lot of places where they haven't built and there's literally like glass windows where you can see the actual mountain that this church is built on top of. So Golgotha, which is where Jesus was crucified, is obviously like a hill. And so being able to actually see like, like when you see this place, normally it's like, oh, it's just a church. Like this is not a hill, like this is not right or whatever. But then you go inside and you can actually see like, oh, this is actually built on top of a hill. And so you can actually see the rocks underneath the church. You can see the hill that this church was built into. And it's really interesting. I really like that they did that um, so that you could see that and actually realize like, wow, I am on a hill, but I'm just inside of a building built on top of this hill or more like over and around this hill. Okay, so you go up this staircase and towards the right, there's supposed to be this line, right? And so this line is gonna kind of wrap around and you can actually go to the exact location where they say the cross was inserted into a hole in the ground to stand upright. There's a, um, like a silver platter looking thing on the ground with a hole in the middle of it, and you can like stick your hand in this hole, and that's where the cross was supposed to be at. Um, and it's really interesting, like there's like almost like a little shrine thing, and you have to like get down on your hands and knees and like crawl into the shrine to see it. It's really cool, really interesting. So annoying thing, we get there, and of course there's like people, you know, in line doing the thing to get up there, but then there's a tour group standing right in this area where the line is supposed to be. But these people aren't in line. They're literally just standing there listening to their tour guide. So there's like, you know, 15 of us who are like, are you guys in line? Like, can we go around you? But they're literally just clogging up. They're basically like a clot in the artery 
of this line to get us to where we all want to be. So it was really annoying. And so then, like, we're just all standing there, and then, like, five minutes later, the tour guy, like, breaks up his little talk, and then everybody wants to go see the actual spot. And so then there's just, like, this huge funneling going on. And so all the people who are actually in line are now basically in the back of the line, and it was really annoying. And after about 10 minutes, I kind of just pushed and shoved my way up to the front. And, you know, all of us who had been there the whole time finally got in. And we just said, you know, whatever. We've been here longer than everybody else. We're just going to go up front. So we did eventually get to go and see, like, the actual area, which is really cool. But on either side, there are some more of those windows so that you can, like, see through to the actual hill underneath the church, which was really, really cool. I really like that. I think it's really interesting. Um, so I actually did that first before I went to the actual tomb area just because I was following the stations. Um but you can go down the stairs, and then you can just walk over, right over to the tomb area. I don't know if most people leave right after that, but there is so much to see in this church. You can just, like, wander around. There's, like, I felt like we went down, like, three levels, and there's just, like, more stuff after more stuff after more stuff. There's, like, some mosaics. There's paintings. There's artwork. There's just huge rooms. Um, so I would recommend, you know, don't just go in and go see the the main hits go and wander around explore um just see everything um that that church has to offer now i will say when i was originally planning this trip i had planned on waking up at the butt crack of dawn to get to this church before anybody else so they opened the doors to this church at like four in the morning and i was a hundred percent ready to wake up at four in the morning and walk over to this church so that I could be there all by myself or at least not have a crowd. But we went there that first day. Yeah, there were a ton of people there, but I didn't really, like, I did what I wanted to do there. And so I didn't end up going back in the morning. But if that's something that you're interested in, they open way early and you know there's going to be nobody there at four in the morning checking out the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So if you're really wanting to be there by yourself or if you're really wanting to avoid all crowds whatsoever, check out their opening times and set an alarm and get there. Now, don't forget, this is all in the first day. Like, we have done a ton of stuff. So at this point, um, we have, basically we've done the entire Via Dolorosa, we went to the Wailing Wall, we went to the Dome of the Rock, like we have done a ton of stuff. So we ate some falafel, some falafel, falafel, pita sandwiches and let me tell you this okay i have been to a lot of places that have falafel and i have always avoided it the first time i ever had falafel was in egypt and that stuff was nasty and i don't know if it was where i had it or if it was just like egyptian falafel is not good i don't know what the deal was but i had that stuff and i was like this stuff sucks and so when i got to israel I was like, like that's a big thing, is falafel. And so I was like, well, I guess I need to try it. So I had the falafel there, and it was amazing. I absolutely love the falafel in Israel. So I don't really know if Israeli falafel just that much better than everywhere else, or have I just had bad experiences in the past. So definitely check out the falafel while you're in Israel. Okay, so after this, it's starting to be around sunset time, and so... We head out to the Mount of Olives, and so unfortunately, um, the Garden of Gethsemane is 
pretty much like right at the base of the Mount of Olives. And so I was wanting to go by the Garden of Gethsemane on the way to the top of the Mount of Olives, but they were closed. And a lot of stuff in Israel closes around like four, five o'clock, something like that. So just keep that in mind. Make sure you have all the times. Um, and then just be aware that the times might not exactly be right either. So just kind of give yourself some leeway either way. So we walk up there, the Garden of Gethsemane is closed, and so we're like, that stinks, but we'll just continue up the Mount of Olives. Meantime, there's this like annoying cab driver who's just like following us, and he's like, I'll take you up to the top of Mount of Olives for like $20. It's going to take you like an hour to walk up there, and we're like, dude, are you serious? Google Maps says it takes like 10 minutes. Be quiet. And so whenever, <laughs> whenever um, cab drivers are like telling me that, I don't want to walk a certain distance and then like oh you need a cab driver I'm just like I always pull out the do you think I'm out of shape are you calling me fat and then they're just like leave you alone after that so I'm always like dude I can walk up this hill like I'm not that much out of shape so we walk up the Mount of Olives and it took about 20 minutes and it was pretty steep, not going to lie, but you can definitely do it. It's not that big of a deal, especially if you have all the time in the world, which we did. Um, and so we walked up to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is basically covered in um, graves, um, which is really interesting. It's basically a cemetery, a graveyard. Um, so that was really interesting. And so you walk up to the very top, beautiful views of Old City, um, Jerusalem. The Dome of the Rock is just glittering under the sun. And it is really windy. I don't know if it's always windy up there, but the wind was absolutely howling when we were up there. Um, and we probably sat up at the top for about an hour, watched the sunset, super pretty, um, and then walked back um, down to Old City um, through the Lion's Gate, um, down all the way to the Damascus Gate. And, you know, I never really felt, um, you know, unsafe. Once it got dark in the old city, we were like walking through this one little sketchy area and there were like a bunch of hooligans around and I was like, I wouldn't, like I didn't mind walking through them, but I was like, I wouldn't want to just be hanging out around here. Um, and it was, it got really, um, it cleared out like by nine o'clock old city was like all shut down. All the businesses were closed. Um, so it was kind of a weird vibe. Um, so I don't know if I, I probably would have want to just, you know, hang out in old city after, you know, nine o'clock or whatever, cause one, there's nothing really to do there, but then maybe some sketchy people are starting to come out. Um, but you know, in the daytime, like right after sunset, it was not that big of a deal um, whatsoever. I will say just wandering around the old city was really cool. Um, I know Jerusalem has been like torn down and rebuilt like a bunch of times, but Walking around the old city was like exactly what I imagined an ancient city being like. I mean, whenever you go to ruins, like you don't really get to experience what the market or what the downtown area of an ancient city looked like. But walking around Old Town Jerusalem was just like all these winding, narrow corridors like a person would just open up like a door and then there like just be a ton like a big shop inside it was crazy and i was just like this is what this place looked like 2000 years ago like besides having 
metal garage doors on these buildings and having you know deep frying falafel over here like this is literally what jerusalem looked like two thousand years ago and you cannot convince me otherwise they had people sitting at the city gates with like vegetables strewn out all over the place selling them they sat there from nine in the morning when we got there and they were still there at like seven o'clock when we left that night like it was awesome and it just took you back in time and it was really cool so that was our first day we did a ton okay so second day get up early and the second day we went to bethlehem now bethlehem is in palestine and because of this you cannot take like a taxi from jerusalem to palestine you can't take a rental car into palestine um you can't take a normal bus into Palestine. So you have to be a little bit more um, resourceful, I guess you could say. So there's a bus that is a um, an Arabic bus. And so the bus, the Arabic bus station is right outside the Damascus Gate, which is really nice because that's right next to where we're staying. And it is allowed to go into Palestine. I really don't know the situation I'm not going to get into the situation, but that's the deal. You have to take this bus if you want to take a bus into Palestine. Now, when we got over to the bus station, everyone was super friendly, you know, showed us exactly where to go. Um, I believe, don't quote me on this, the bus has a number, has an 8 in it. I can't remember if it was 8 or 80, um, but the timetables are on Google Maps. It was super simple to figure out. Um, anybody could do it. It was super easy. And so we head over to the bus station, and of course... You know, there's a bunch of people there, and this is a touristy place. So there was this one driver there, and he was, like, you know, trying to hassle us to, like, take a private driver, take a cab over to Bethlehem. And so we finally were like, no, we got on our bus or whatever and took off. It took us about 30 minutes, I think, probably on the bus to get over to Bethlehem. Um, but it was it was pretty easy. I would just follow the map on my phone to make sure I got off at the right place. And they actually dropped us off. A station before we were supposed to I don't know why but there he was like Bethlehem and so like we all got off and then on my phone I was like I know this is like we were supposed to be on the bus a little bit longer according to this map and so we got off and we started walking and then like 30 seconds later the bus passes us <laughs> and then stops like half a mile in front of us and lets more people off and I was just like are you serious like that's where we we're supposed to get off but whatever just follow the map it was super simple so um now when it's crazy because as soon as you get off the bus in Bethlehem you are in you're literally in another country but like I didn't expect for it to be so obvious um like as soon as you get off the bus you are in an Arabic country without a doubt it's crazy um and you know I'm used to Arabic countries, but then after being in like Lebanon and being in Iraq, I had, you know, the, the cultures, the Arabic cultures there were a little bit different. And so getting off in Palestine, well then now I'm back to, you know, Egyptian Arabic where everyone's trying to hustle you, everybody's yelling at you, you know, cars are honking, people like I literally got ran into while I was walking down the street. Um, and so, like, yeah, if you're not used to traveling in Arabic countries, 
Palestine is an Arabic country, and you're going to have to be prepared for that. I know there are a lot of tours that you can take anywhere in Israel, um, but if you're not used to traveling in Arabic countries, um, you this might be one of those, like, I'm going to take a day tour to Bethlehem. That might be the time to do I don't think you need a tour guide in Israel, um, but if you're wanting to go into Palestine, you might, you, it might be something you should look into if you're not used to that. So walking from the bus station up to the church of the nativity was pretty easy. Um, It took us maybe 30 minutes to walk up there. Going into the church was, you know, easy. It was free. You just walk in. Um, Now, like I said earlier, it's run by the Franciscans and we got the, I, had, I don't we got there like right at noon or something and so they had like some ceremony going on down in the grotto area and so we literally like we just had to like stand outside the grotto for like 20 minutes as they did like their little ritual thing down in there and of course right when we had arrived a huge tour group had arrived so they were just like all crammed around the grotto entrance and so finally when everything was over then we were able to walk down in there and once again just like at the whole uh, church of the holy sepulcher there's like this silver disc in the ground which is where the manger like was or where jesus was born like the exact location they say and then if you turn around there's an area where they say that that's where the manger was and you can like tell that you're like in a cave like you're underground in a room um and it's really interesting it's really cool um to be down in there the church itself is pretty interesting and you can walk through um to the franciscan like monastery area right next door um and yeah we spent a little bit of time walking around bethlehem as well we stopped and got some more falafel sandwiches and you know just talked to some random people had a good time um closer to the church of the nativity is calmer um, walking from the bus station to the Church of the Nativity, you're literally walking through like Main Street, Bethlehem. And so because of that, you know, there's a ton of people, there's people trying to sell stuff. Um, there's a bunch of cars everywhere, but once you get closer to the Church of the Nativity, there's like no, like you can't drive down there. Um, there's people, there's not a lot of people selling stuff. And so it's a little bit more peaceful. So, you know, once you kind of get through the hustle bustle, you do have a little bit of calm there. Um, so heading back, just, you find the bus. Um, I wasn't really sure what, (laughs) what, what, like, was I on the right bus? But I found some more people who were going to the same place. We confirmed it with the bus driver, got on the bus, um, and headed back. But Palestine was pretty wild. Um, (laughs) like I said, we were walking, we were walking from the bus and of course, like the taxi driver is like, oh, this ride, just like the Mount of Olives, this ride's gonna take, you know, 30 minutes, you know, like it's gonna take you an hour to walk there. You need to take this taxi, you're never gonna make it, blah, blah, blah. And so when we're just like, dude, we wanna walk. And he literally followed us a quarter of a mile, just like, hey, take my taxi, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, I'll be honest, whenever, like, I just ignore people right like i've told you no you keep asking i'm just ignoring you and so he like started to call me out he's like oh you must be american because you ignore like you're ignoring me blah 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 and i'm like well yeah sure like <laughs> yeah i am ignoring you and so he just like kept calling me. i'm like dude 
you calling me out and like being mean to me is not going to make me change my mind. Um, but yeah, like you're gonna get you're gonna get hassled in um, Bethlehem for sure. Um, so just be prepared for that. It's nothing that you can't handle. But if that's not something you're used to, just be prepared. And you know, it might be a place you want to take a tour tour to. Now, I will say there are there are a ton of places in Palestine that I really wanted to go. Um, near Bethlehem is the tomb of Rachel, which would be pretty interesting. I really am not sure. I had so much. I had a lot of difficulty figuring out is it on the Palestine side or the Israeli side. I still don't know. I didn't go there, but that's a place nearby that you might want to check out. The one place that I really wanted to go was the Tomb of the Patriarchs, um, and it's about an hour inside Palestine. And apparently, that place is like really, um, really hot when it comes to um, conflict. It's, like, it's a pretty. Um, big conflict area just because both the Israelis and the Palestinians um, have spiritual ties to this place. And so um, that was one of the places that I wanted to go to and I was actually thinking about taking a tour to. I think now that I've been, like I could have gone by myself. Um, I don't think I needed a tour guide there. I was kind of just thinking about that just for safety reasons. But I think... um, I mean, that's, that's one of those things that's kind of just up to you, right? Um, but I didn't do it just because I didn't. I was with my wife. If I was there by myself, I probably would have gone down there to check it out. Um, but she um, she was kind of, she was honestly overwhelmed with uh, just Bethlehem in and of itself. So she definitely could not have handled, you know, an extra hour finagling getting down to the Tomb of the Patriarchs. Um, and so... That's one of those places where it's like if I go back, you know, I might want to go there um, if I'm, you know, in the right situation. Um, And I would definitely recommend checking it out if you're into, you know, biblical history and stuff like that. Um, Okay, so we took the bus back to Jerusalem. Once again, it took about 30 minutes to get back into town. Um, And then we went to the Israeli Museum. The Israeli Museum is really cool. At the Israeli Museum is a building called the Shrine of the Book, and the Shrine of the Book has all the Dead Sea Scrolls in it. We were there on July 4th, and when we go to buy our tickets, the lady at the museum is like, the Shrine of the Book is closed, just so you know, some Americans like have rented it out and are having like some celebration there, having some event, and I was like, these dang Americans over here ruining our vacation. <laughs> So I don't know what was going on at the Shrine of the Book. I don't know what kind of um, event was happening over there, but it obviously had to do with the 4th of July. And so that was kind of weird. So I didn't get to go to the Shrine of the Book, but that's a pretty cool thing um, to check out while you're there. The um, museum in and of itself was really cool. It was broken up into different wings. Um, Like you had like the super ancient history there. Um, then you had like the modern history. They had a few um, special exhibits, um, which were pretty interesting. My favorite part was like all the biblical history. Um, and so there were a lot of things um, like from the biblical um, time periods that were there. And then they had like um, Bible references and things like that to the specific um, to a specific artifact. So that was really cool. Um, I do, you do see a lot of stuff from the Bible in other museums from around the world. Like there was stuff in the, um, 
Iraq, Bab- the Baghdad Museum, right, from the Bible. Um, but obviously you're in Israel, you're in Jerusalem, so there's there's a lot to see there, which was really cool. Um, so I definitely recommend checking out the Israeli Museum. After the Israeli Museum, we took the bus back over to um, Old Town, and we were um, able to walk over to um, the Mount Zion area, which is, I believe that's sort of like the south southeast corner of the city, I believe. Or no, 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 just like the south, the south side of the of the city. So um, over on the Mount Zion side is the city of David, which I always assumed the city of David was Jerusalem, but the city of David was like the original settlement of Israel, and then they kind of turned into Jerusalem, but currently it's like outside of the city walls of Jerusalem, which is interesting. Um, And so in this area, there's a lot of stuff. There's like some several churches. Um, There's the church um, where, oh, I cannot remember his name, the high priest. Anyways, the high priest who um, tried uh, Jesus, his house is up there, and they there's a church there now. So this is the place where um, Peter denied Christ the three times, and so there's a church up there. We lit, so we walked. I don't even know how long we walked. We probably walked like an hour, and this is actually the next day, but it's over in the same area, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about it now. We literally walked for like an hour. It was so hot. My wife was so hot and hungry, and we literally get to this church, and everyone had been telling us, stuff closes at 5 o'clock, stuff closes at 5 o'clock. So it's like 4, and we get to the church, and it had closed at 4 o'clock. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, we literally walked this whole way. I kept telling my wife, like, we're almost there, we're almost there. And then we finally get there, and they're closed. And on top of it, we had already picked up our rental car, and so she was like, why don't we just drive? And, but the traffic in Jerusalem was so bad, I was like, I I just didn't want to drive, like, over here. We might have been here by now, but who knows. So that was annoying um, that we didn't get to go, and we had walked all that way. But that's one thing that's over there. And then also the, um, the Last Supper Room. So the location of where they believe the Last Supper occurred is known. But the church that's there um, was built like in the Middle Ages, right? By like the Crusade, Crusade time period um, people. So it's pretty like nobody, nobody is saying, oh, this is the actual Last Supper room. I think some people might say that, but it's pretty obvious that that's not the truth. So it's the location, the actual room is not original but the area is pretty close to the correct location so we went over we checked that out unfortunately the actual room which was like an upper room to give you the full experience was closed but we did come back the next day and it was open so then we went in that time um also right next to the last supper room is the tomb of king david and this is another one of those locations where there's like several places where they think the tomb of king david is 
I'm not even sure why they believe the Tomb of King David is at this spot, but some people do, and they have like a fake like casket set up there. It was really interesting because it's like, obviously this is not the true King David casket, but then there was like, it's inside like a little church, and there's like a ton of Jewish people in there like praying and reading the Torah and like putting their hands on it, and it's like, so obviously not the real real thing but then they're still you know um they're still using it as the real thing so that was that was really interesting um to see so that that's kind of one of those places where it's like i want to make a special trip to go over to see that but i was like right next door to it and i walked by it and i was like oh might as well stop in here so um that all is there too and that was the second day so did a ton that day and going to Bethlehem should not be a full day experience like if you I would definitely go there first thing in the morning um, but then you can definitely add things on to your day um, for sure okay so the third day we started off by going to the Yad Vashim um, the Holocaust Museum and the Holocaust Museum is in the newer area of Jerusalem we took we took the train to get out there. It was easy to do. So I took the train out there and um, we spent most of the day um, at the museum. We spent several hours there for sure. It was a really good museum and it's it's a pretty long one too. And there's like, you could spend days in this place. There's so much to read, so much to watch. Um, there's a Holocaust survivor, um, like memorials, um, like interviews and things like that. So there is a ton to do in that museum. Um, but we spent, you know, three hours easily in there and probably could have spent another hour if we had lingered through the whole thing. But towards the end, I was like, okay, we got to pick up the pace because we had to go pick up a rental car. Um, so yeah, a lot to do um, and a lot to see there. One of the, I don't want to say coolest things, more like saddening things um, at the very end there's the book and it literally has every single victim of the Holocaust written in this book and that they know of anyways and it's literally like dictionary sized print um, it has like the person's name it has um, like where they're from where they were born like what death camp they were at or where they died um, and this book is huge. Like it's gotta be, I'm trying to think 30 feet long and it's literally just full of names of people. Um, and so there were like people in there, like looking for relatives in the book to see if their names were in there. Um, it was, it was crazy. Um, one of the, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, it was absolutely wild. Um, so definitely make sure you, you see that on your way out. So after we left that museum, we took the train back into, um, we actually took it down towards, um, old city, um, a little bit, um, but sort of like the newer side of old city, if that makes sense. And so we had to pick up a rental car. So we picked up a rental car and so we are we were going to be driving up north like the galilee area and stuff like that and one thing that i'll say was um 
it was actually cheaper to pick up the car in Jerusalem, drive it to Tel Aviv, and leave it in Tel Aviv than it would have been to drive it to Tel Aviv or drive it full circle to Jerusalem and then go to the airport. I can't remember exactly. It was like it was pretty equitable, but it like made more sense. And it really made more sense too because every rental car agency that I could find had a mileage limit on the cars. And so if I did full circle all the way back to Jerusalem, I was gonna either be cutting it close or I was gonna be going over the mileage limit, which would have charged me more. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna stay in Tel Aviv, not worry about the mileage, and then you know also get to spend a day in Tel Aviv. So um, that's what we ended up doing, and we'll talk about more about Tel Aviv in the next episode. Um, but just think about your options, think about the mileage. Um, we did drive quite a bit, but we were pretty close to that mileage limit. Um, so just kind of like map everything out and make sure that your routes um, are as accurate as possible. Um, after picking up the rental car, there's quite a few parking lots around the city and there's not a lot of street parking. So um, make sure like I found, like before I even booked the Airbnb in Jerusalem, I found a parking lot that was literally right across the street from there. I confirmed with my, my Airbnb host that I could park there for, um, it was paid parking. Um, so just make sure that you know that you can park your car once you have your car and make sure that all your hotels in the future have parking spots available. So I did park my car in the lot across the street. They like lock up the lot at night. Um, and I think it costs like maybe 10 bucks to park for the full day. So I think we picked up the car at like three in the afternoon and originally I should have picked it up later, but originally I had planned on picking up the car and then we were literally going to drive to the Dead Sea that afternoon. But then it just didn't make sense to really do that. And so I changed my mind, but I already, you know, put that as my time to pick up the car. So that's what I stuck with. Um, I would recommend picking up the car later. Um, because then you can turn it in later, you know, whenever you turn it in. So anyways, I picked up at like three o'clock, really smooth process. I went ahead, I never go for extra insurance, but the roads and the traffic in Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv were absolutely brutal. Um, nothing happened, like I didn't get into a wreck or like nothing happened to the car, but just seeing the traffic in Jerusalem and then being told that the traffic in Tel Aviv was even worse, which it was. Um, I think it was like an extra 20 bucks a day to do the like all-inclusive insurance, and I, I actually did it. Um, I'm not, like I said, I didn't need it, but I, I would still probably get it if I went back. So it's not a scam if they're asking you if you want that extra insurance, I would probably do it if I was you. Um, so we went, parked the car, and then, <laughs> This is when we like went on this excursion. So we went to the garden tomb right after this because the garden tomb was right next to our hotel. So we walked over to the garden tomb. The garden tomb is awesome. Um, and although I do not believe that the garden tomb is the actual tomb, I do think the Holy Sepulchre Church is probably the location. The garden tomb is like realistic, right? So like I said before, the Holy Sepulchre Church um, it's a church, it's a building, and there are, like, you can see, like, the hill that it's built on, which is really cool, but it's 
ultimately a building sitting where this thing is supposed to be. So the garden tomb is really awesome because it's literally a garden. There's a tomb cut into a hill and it's like, yes, this might not be the actual place, but this is what it would have looked like. So I highly recommend checking out both of the locations. The garden tomb is awesome. Um, you can like go inside the tomb and see it and just kind of like wander around the garden area for a little while. It's actually free to go in, which is really cool as well. Um, and yeah, going to the garden tomb was really cool. I would re highly recommend um, checking that out, especially if you're right next, right next to it. Um, and then finally, we then walked over to the Garden of Gethsemane. It was open and it's really interesting. Um, it's free as well. There's like, I don't really, there's probably like a dozen olive trees in the garden. And I think it says like three or four of them are like first century olive trees. Although other places say that all the olive trees in the garden of Gethsemane got chopped down by like Nero or somebody. So whether they're actually first century olive trees, that is one location where it's like, Everybody 100% agrees that this is the Garden of Gethsemane. Like, there's so much um, historical, like, this is the Garden of Gethsemane. So, yes, it would be cool if some of those trees were, like, first century trees, but where they are or not, that is the location, and those trees are old. Like, they are some rugged, gnarled olive trees, which are wild to look at. You can only, like, walk around the perimeter of the garden. Um, there are, like, trails in the center, I don't know if you can walk through them sometimes or not, um, but either way, it's really cool. There's also a church right next to it. It's called, I think it's called the Church of All Nations, and um, it's a pretty interesting church. There was like an actual service going on when we were there, which was cool, um, and I believe, I think if I remember correctly, there's supposed to be like a rock underneath the altar, and that's supposed to be the rock where like Jesus knelt and prayed at. Um, I did not realize that until after we had gone, and I couldn't see it in any of, any of my pictures. So I, I think it's under the altar area, but I do not know 100% for sure. Um, but that's pretty interesting. Um, and then after that, that's when we went on our wild goose chase to go up to like the city of David and to go to um, the high priest Caiaphas, the high priest Caiaphas's house, um, where the initial like trial. Um, happened so that was three very very full days oh i'm not done so from between the garden of gethsemane and the city of david is the kidron valley and you have to walk through the kidron valley to get from old city to the, the mount of olives um but there's a trail that takes you like through the valley a little bit and then up like to the city of David. If you walk to the Lion's Gate, you're not really going to go, you're going to go down the Kidron Valley and back up, but you're not really going to be walking through it. So if you're walking from the Mount of Olives over to the city of David, you're going to be walking through the Kidron Valley. And if you look over to your left, there's like these two weird looking things cut into the rock. So there's one that's supposedly Ezekiel's tomb, prophet Ezekiel. And then the other one is called Absalom's pillar, which is also like a memorial to Absalom, who was um, 
Samuel, not Samuel, Solomon's son. So I think I read that like neither of those two things really date back to the you know first temple period. Um, but that's what they are. They're old regardless and pretty interesting pieces of history um, that you'll be walking by. You can actually like walk up and like go inside and all sorts of stuff. Um, there was like a lot going on. It was really weird. There was like some sort of celebration going on and there were like a ton of Jewish people everywhere. And it was kind of like, it was kind of weird. We had no idea what was going on, but there was like this huge event happening. And so we had already been walking around a ton. And so I wasn't going to make my wife like backtrack and walk back down in there so we could go check it out. And there were a ton of people everywhere. So I didn't want to get in trouble and do the wrong thing. (laughs) So we just kept walking. But then that's when we like kept walking and then walked and walked and walked and yeah. So that, that was it. Now, is that everything that there's to do in Jerusalem? Absolutely not. There is so much more that you could do in that city. It's crazy. I could go back, spend another week and probably do all new things and still not do it all. So this is, I feel like this is, you know, the the biggest, the biggest hits there in Jerusalem. I really don't think we missed anything that's like you have to do this while you're there i think we did all the you have to do this things and then even added a few others um so yeah the next episode we'll be talking about going over to the dead sea the jordan river um sea of galilee tel aviv all that kind of stuff um outside of the city so definitely come back for episode number two to check that out if you want to see any pictures from um, my time in Jerusalem, feel free to check out my Instagram at educate your travel. Um, there's a saved story for Israel. So you can kind of just look through all those. If you have any questions, feel free to message me on there. Um, and I will hopefully get back to you as soon as possible, um, with any questions that you might have. So remember it is up to you to get up, get out, explore the world, take that next adventure. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. And I cannot wait to talk to you later. See ya.